Hello, everyone. We say it's a special edition of the Let's Run Track Talk podcast every week, but this week, it really is a special edition. It is the World Track and Field Championships. They begin on Friday from Doha, Qatar. Myself, Jonathan Galt, and my boss, Weldon Johnson, will be on site. We fly out this evening. But before we leave, we've got a preview podcast. We're going to go through Worlds in a lot of detail, look at the storylines, might talk a little bit NFL Week 4 as well. You know, never know. A uh, little Berlin Marathon preview where Ken and Issa Bekele is running. Yeah, that's this weekend as well. Uh, before we dig into all of that, though, Weldon, hit us with some sponsor plugs, and then we'll talk to, talk some track. Sponsors, John. Sponsors are easy this week. The podcast is sponsored by the Let's Run.com Running Warehouse World's Prediction Contest. Pick your top three in the track and field events and a few relays, and you can win 200000 and nineteen dollars, or hey, you just get in the top three of the contest overall. You win running warehouse gift certificates, Hoka Oni Oni Ring Cone shoes. Let's run.com. Go there, find the link to the podcast. It's great. Excuse me, a link to the contest. Great thing to play. Make worlds way more interesting. It also gives you insight into each of the events, so you actually know what you're watching. So that is your sponsor of the podcast. Yeah, I gotta say it's kind of weird, guys. We're in the last week of September right now. And about to head off to the World Championships, I told Weldon right before the podcast, I'm like, we're talking about the NFL schedule, what it's going to be like this Sunday. And I told Weldon that the Cowboys were playing the Saints on Sunday night and he probably wasn't going to be able to watch it. And then, he, Weldon, you were just thunderstruck that you might not be able to see your Cowboys play. Undefeated Dallas Cowboys. I didn't realize we had tough games coming up, so I didn't know Saints and Packers back-to-back and I may not be able to watch. But hey, track and field's got to be the priority. The crazy thing is here, it's just perfect weather. You can't find better running weather right now than what we've had in New York the last few weeks. 70 degrees, you know, it's absolutely perfect. Yet, we're flying off to Doha, 90 plus degrees every single day. It'll be very interesting. One, the marathon will be out in the elements. There was talk that was going to be canceled. That was a false report in French media, apparently. But the track itself in Doha is air-conditioned, even though it's outdoors. So hopefully the temps for people and the runners are 75, 80 degrees. But it's going to be a world like no one's seen before. John, you and I may be the actually only people there. Supposedly only about 10,000 tickets a day have been sold. No, 5,000 tickets per day, Weldon. Oh, 5,000. Oh, my gosh. You just doubled their number right there. You know, there will be a million people throughout the world scattered watching this thing. And that's the Let's Run.com audience. This is what you guys have been waiting, I hope, two years for. And I'm super excited. World Track and Field in September and October. There's tons of storylines. We got great sprint action. Which American distance star medals wins gold? We haven't even spoken to the other member of our broadcast team. Rojo, what are you excited about for Worlds? Staging a protest, folks. I'm not invited to Worlds. I'm not going to Worlds. I'm not, I feel like the guy in office space. Like, what happened here? You two are going and I'm stuck at home? Correct. You said you had to be Mr. Dad. So, hey, John and I will be in Doha, Qatar, not having any beer. But, hey, hopefully it's fun. And if I'd still check direct flights from New York, you can still fly over there, people, 1300 bucks. You Apparently, you can get a ticket wherever you want. So, tickets aren't a concern. Someone join me and John over there. We, we need some LRC contingent. You know, we always run into people from Australia throughout the world at Worlds. So I assume at least a few LRCers will be there in attendance watching. But if not, great action every night on your TV. 
Yeah, I mean, I would tell the Let's Run Nation that I'd let them buy me a beer as one of our readers bought us a beer at the World Championships in cross country in Denmark. But I think alcohol sales are pretty much prohibited almost throughout the country. So that might be an issue. But yeah, if you say if you see us, say, say hello. Be more than happy to chat with some visitors, talk some track and field. That's what we're paid to do. So let's move ahead to some of these events guys the meet starts on friday we've got the women's marathon we've got prelims of the women's 800 and the women's steeplechase and prelims of the men's 5k so i out of those events i'm kind of most interested in the men's 5k because i guess the women's steeple is going to be great as well but men's 5k i just don't know what the hell is going to happen i mean i I wrote the preview for let's run and i kind of pegged the favorite as being hargos gebrewet but then someone, I woke up to a tweet some this morning from an Ethiopian person, and he showed me this picture, and there was four guys posing as members of the Ethiopian 5K squad, and Gebrewet wasn't among them. Because, you know, according to Ethiopian media, Ethiopia, the federation doesn't want athletes running two events. They don't want them doubling. So Gebrewet also qualified in the 10K. He might do that only. And if he's not in there, I mean, there's no Mo Farah. There's no Joshua Chepter guy, who's the Diamond League champion. I mean... Robert, how is this event going to unfold? I've got my. I used to watch a show on ESPN. I think it was a horse racing show. They had the Budweiser long shot. I don't know if Budweiser is our sponsor. Our Mickler long shot, folks. You heard it here first. The world champion in the men's 5,000 meters. Well, I don't want to shock the podcast. I don't want to have you fall out of your chair quite yet, John. Oh, I already know where you're going with this. Well, then. Oh, sorry, Robert, but go ahead. But I edited John. John wrote the preview. I edited it and obviously make it publishable. I mean, we put John's byline on there, but folks, the, the genius is coming from me. I, I feel like the betting, the the, the, be, the best bet, and, and all these previews we're doing a lot right now, we're giving you a betting guide, and I've got to figure out where I can actually place a bet. If I drive to New Jersey, can I bet on this, or do you think they even have it there? But according to 888sports.com, Mohamed of Canada, I think he's going to medal, and I, I don't see how he doesn't medal. John was talking about Ingebrigtsen and this and Ingebrigtsen and that, and I just don't understand why you weren't talking more up in Mohamed. The guy has already broken 13 this year. He just paced a bunch of guys to 1258 and 13 flat. He paced three teammates. So he's better than them. Like Jerry wouldn't have had him do that. I mean, who to be able to pay somebody for 4,600 meters, you've got to be in better shape than that. That means he's in sub 1255 shape. And if you're in sub 1255 shape, you're definitely metal. So, you know, I, I'm not saying he's the favorite to win it, but if Hagos is out, I don't really have faith in anyone. And could a white guy not only medal, but win the whole thing? I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. He's all of 19 years old, but we saw earlier this year in London, I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Gebrewet. And granted, Gebrewet was tired. He was coming back from the Ethiopian 10K trials just three days earlier. But, I mean, Ingebrigtsen closed in 53-6 in that race, and the, the winning t- he ran 13.01, like, or 13.02. That is world class speed. Like if you run thirteen oh two at Worlds and close in fifty three six, you're probably going to medal. So he's obviously a threat. And yeah, with Hargos out, I mean, obviously you've got Selman Borrego who's run twelve forty three. You've got Telehun Bekele. I mean, Borrego ran twelve forty three last year. You've got Telehun Bekele who is the world leader at twelve fifty two. But the thing about those guys is both of them ran the World Under-20 Championships last year, and both of them lost to Jakob Ingebrigtsen. They just don't do that well in championship races. Uh, and this, again, Borrega, yeah, he ran 12.43 in World Juniors. He couldn't even medal. So I don't know if I totally trust them. They're kind of unproven. I really like what you're selling with Mo Ahmed, Robert. Like you said, you don't run that fast from the front 
unless you're really, really super fit. He was fourth at the Olympics in 2016. He was uh, sixth at the Worlds in 2017. So he's he's been in these finals before. I actually really like him as a medal uh, medal threat and then a serious threat to win if Hagos isn't in the race. Yeah, it's, it's really a weird race in the sense of, A, we're starting with the 5,000 this year. Normally we start with the 10,000. I would like to hear that with just it's just weird. I'm not opposed to change, but was there some rationale before this? Do we know why they're doing this? But then there's no Mo Ahmed. I mean, Mo Farah, excuse me, who would normally be taking a medal. The winner from two years ago is not in shape. Mukhtar Edris. I mean, he's there, but we don't expect him to do anything. The Diamond League champion, Joshua Cheptegei, is also opting straight for the 10,000. So, you know, Cheptegei is a guy who might double back if the 10,000 was first, but since it's not, he's not going to do it. Then the Diamond League champion, Hagos Gabbard, is not in there either. Cheptegei is the Diamond League champion. I mean, excuse me, Hagos Gabbard, the, the, the highest finisher of anyone who we thought might be doing it. The Diamond League runner-up isn't in there. Yeah, might not be. It seems like he's not running it. Kajelcher as well. Yeah, so then, you know, we have to count on guys that were either third, fourth, or fifth in the Diamond League final to win it. And, you know, Nicholas Kimelai of Kenya was only third in the Kenyan trials. And one thing we haven't mentioned here is, great, we're going to put a little asterisk. If Ingebrigtsen does get a bronze or a silver, side asterisk, because only one Kenyan is going to, well, only two Kenyans are in this race, but only one of them has broken 13-10 because Kenya was not allowed to enter their, their, their national champion because he was not in the out-of-competition testing pool. So the IWF has cracked down on that. Yeah, that's Michael Cabet and Daniel Samiu. He's actually the runner-up at the Kenyan trials also won't be in there because they didn't take enough out-of-competition drug tests. But Robert, it's not like Kenya was a superpower in this event in 2016 or 2017. They had no finalists in 2016 and only one in 2017. Are you going to give those guys asterisks too? Fair enough. Holy crap, guys. You guys are like talking in the weeds here. Admitted, I have not even read the preview, and I just was pulling up the preview. You guys are missing the big picture. You may have said this in all sorts of the, like inside baseball talk you're talking about. Jacob Ingebrigtsen is the betting favorite, like the favorite. You guys are talking whether he'll medal. He's the number one betting favorite for gold medal. He's 18 years old, or did he just turn 19? Just turned 19, and he's from Norway. Yeah, no, it is wild, totally wild. What? What are you? You guys are missing big picture. We need to give the audience a little big picture talk here. This first weekend's going to be great. We've been waiting two years for this shit. By Monday, we're going to have champions in the women's marathon, which is Friday night at midnight in Doha. So East Coast time is how far back? Seven hours. Yeah, it's 5 p.m. Perfect. Get 5 p.m. Perfect for everyone. You guys get off work, flip on. John and I will be up to all hours of the night covering this shit, but it'll be perfect for you guys. The next day is the women's 10K final, which will be great. Sifan Hassan versus Helen O'Beary. And by then you have the men's 100 final. The women's 100 final will be on Sunday. And by the weekend, by Monday, you're going to have men's 400-meter hurdles, which could be the best event in the entire championships you'll know who's the champion of the women's 800 and the women's steeplechase and the men's 5k and if, and this, this 5k and you'll also know who the finalists are in the men's 800 so this is why worlds is so great just like think of all those storylines right there but i almost fell out of my chair here when i like pulled up the preview john no offense i've been very stressed getting ready packing that sort of stuff getting the contest up but Jacob Ingerbison, a 19-year-old Norwegian, the betting favorite in the men's 5K. Thank you, Alden. You did help us. I think John and I lost the forest amongst the trees. I mean, that was a good thing. I mean, yeah, the average person is not obsessing over these 
previews like we are, maybe not have even realized that. Yes, it's 888sports.com. Inga Brooksen, the betting favorite. Now, I don't think he should be the betting favorite, but he, he definitely, you know, I mean, he's run 13-1. There's an argument to be made for him. The, the most crazy thing about this is the 5K isn't even his best event. His best event is the 1500, where he's been running consistently about second or third in the Diamond League. And I think he's very good bet to medal there. But he essentially said, like, you know, he was asked, why are you taking on this double? And he's like, well, because I think, you know, there's an opportunity to medal in the 5K. And 5Ks usually go tactical at Worlds. I think I can, it's only going to be a few laps of hard running at the end. I think I'll be able to rebound for the 1500. So he's going for it. And I love it. Yeah, it's not his best event, but John, it, it certainly helps the world the fact that most of the world's best 5,000 meter runners are Ethiopian and they can only enter three. Four. Remember, Kajelcha, who, you know, well, yeah, but Edris isn't in shape. So, you know, a, a, a few um, weeks ago, I would have thought, you know, if Kajelcha was going to be the favorite here, he's undefeated in the 5,000. He screws up the Diamond League final. Apparently, he's been hurt in his training, but he doesn't even make the team. For, for Ethiopia. So, you know, that, that certainly should be uh, a crazy race. And one thing we didn't say was Paul Chalima, the American best bet, silver medal um, and bronze medal, the last two global championships, has not been in good form. I would be shocked if he gets a medal. He medaled in, in Rio 2016 when he was third at the uh, USA. So, I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked, but yeah, he got beat, he got upset by Lopez Lemong at USA's and then wasn't in contention. He was eight, only eighth in the Diamond League final, and he's finished 12th, 6th. He was second. It, it, those were his two other Diamond Leagues, and he was second in the pre-classic two miles. So that was his best race of the year, but he just hasn't been quite the same this year. I, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't say I would be shocked. If he- and I'm shocked you guys are playing up Mohamed so much. Robert, you think he'll win the gold medal or any medal? Well, I think he will, will definitely win a medal. I shouldn't say definitely, should I? Because there's a couple of great things. A guy who's never won anything shouldn't be considered a gold medal contender. Maybe he could, and this field is pretty weak, but what has that guy ever won of consequence? Well, then, what has any th- guy in this race ever won? A couple diamond leagues or something, or Jacob Emerson's 18 years old. He's won the Europeans. Mohamed winning, that's the guy who usually gets sixth place. He got fourth at the Olympics, but a diamond league final, he's usually like six. He's usually not even in the top three. So, yes, he's very fit. But meddling, it's a different mindset, and I haven't seen that from him. I hope he proves us wrong. I'm, I'm going to argue against this. The idea that you have a winning mindset and running is one of the dumbest things ever. It's very natural for a, a child to win a race. That You line up in a score, they know how to win. All the kids at Cornell I got, most of them were state champions. People naturally know how to win if they're fit. The, the idea that you have to learn how to win is absurd. Mo Farah was getting his ass pushed in on the Diamond League circuit for years Lucky, you know, sort of being a finish in the back third of, of the finals if he made them. And then what happened? He got in shape. We don't know how, but he got in really good shape and he started winning and being unbeatable. So it, it would not shock me if he won this race. I disagree. You need a winning mindset to win, to be the champion. And I think some guys who haven't been winners, they're content to get a medal. Galen Rupp, 2012 Olympics. I don't think he was shooting for the win. I think that's why he got the silver medal. He may not have beaten Mo Farah that day, but if you look at that race, he wasn't running like I'm winning this thing. Whereas Mo Farah ran like I have to win this race. That's all I'm saying. It makes a very subtle difference. This field is so weak, it could shift Ahmed's mindset to being a champion. So I'm not ruling it out, but like it's a huge upset if that guy comes through. He's probably a great bet on the betting odds, but we've got to keep keep this train rolling, guys. John and I have to get to the airport. Yeah, let's move to the women's steeple. That's another one that's going to be an early final in this meet. And 
I think this is a fascinating race. We've got Americans and Kenyans battling it out. Essentially, you know, a few years ago, USA women's steepling was an absolute joke. And then suddenly Emma Coburn comes out and wins the Diamond League in Shanghai in 2014. The event takes off. Coburn medals a couple times. Courtney Frerichs comes out and medals in 2017. Suddenly the US now has the reigning gold and silver medalists from the World Championships. But, you know, the last two years, Diamond League's they've been swept by the Kenyans. The Kenyans have won all 10 Diamond Leagues the last two years. And they have the world record holder, Beatrice Chipkoach, who has been close to unbeatable. How do we see this event coming, playing out? Do we think Coburn has a chance to repeat or is it just going to be the Beatrice Chipkoach show? I think Coburn, I mean, I don't think we should be talking about her as the one to necessarily match up with her. It wouldn't shock me. But, I mean, she was way back in the Diamond League final. I know that she went out hard, but so did Chip Coach. So, I mean, unless Chip Coach does something stupid, I don't see why she loses this race. Speaking of doing things something stupid, this is the same woman who forgot to hurdle the first water jump in the last World Championship final. So just saying it's not unprecedented. But can we just – can I correct one thing that Weldon said earlier about the reason why Galen Rupp didn't beat Mo Farah was simply his mindset – I would just like to point out that the career record between the two, two, two of them is 22 victories for Mo Farah, one victory for Galen Rupp, and I think that victory came when, when Farah fell in a mile at New Balance Boston meet, but maybe maybe Rupp beat him straight up. Do you want me to come through the, the, the internet and punch you in the face, Robert? A little, oh, yeah, let me show him. Well, Weldon, couldn't you just bite back and say like the fact that just proves your point? Farah beat him a few times early, and then he, you know, Rupp never thought he was going to beat him again. I think I tend to agree with Robert on this point, but you know, that's your rebuttal. Well, you guys are all in the Jerry, Jerry mindset. I'll never forget the Worlds. I think it was the Moscow Worlds, and a Jerry guy uh, came through the mix zone and didn't medal. And another media member said, "Oh, that's the difference between Jerry's guys and Alberto's." He ran that late race, you know, hope, hoping to get a medal. Alberto's guys are up there, you know, running like confident they'll get a medal. So I don't think that holds anymore, but it's sort of interesting. It made me think of the mindset, and I do think there's a champion's mindset. And I think once you start winning, you do develop that. But if you're content to just get third, maybe you're not in position at the bell to, to medal and that sort of stuff. So hopefully Mohamed's thinking, okay, can I get a gold medal? And in the steeplechase, the Americans right have to think they can get a medal. If Beatrice Chepkoch is just a little bit off her game, the medal's there for the taking. This this event is still very weak, very, you know, not that, there's not that much depth in it. And it, it, it's pretty much, you know, the Kenyans and the Americans. The wetsrun.com running warehouse polls, 94.9% of people are picking Beatrice for, for the win. Um, 4% for Emma Coburn, 2.8% for Ivan Keying. Courtney Ferrex, 0.1% for the win. Wait, wait, wait. Read those percentages again. I don't think that added up. You said 94%, 4%, and 2%? I don't think... No, 0.8, and 0.1. 94.9 and 4%, that's 98.9. Then you have 0.8, that's 99.7, and then 0.1 and 0.1, 99.9. I'm not going to let Weldon disparage the, the, the Jerry Schumacher train anymore. I'm going to back my boy right here. 
Let's talk about the winning mindset. This, since we're talking about the winning the women's steeplechase, who was the person two years ago at Worlds who came out of nowhere? People weren't even expecting her to probably make the final. And coming into the last uh, 300 meters to go on the backstretch, she went up and went into the lead of the race and was going for the gold. And she's the reason why. She woke up in McCobra, and she's the reason why McCobra won the gold. And McCobra was, was going to settle for a medal. But when Fryrick's passed her going up for, to the front, that woke her up. And, and Coburn's like, I always beat Fryrick's. Not this time. And then Fireworks won the gold. America went one, two. And this is another thing I'm going to go about bold here. No one's talking about Fireworks 0.1% for a medal or is that for gold? It wouldn't shock me if she won the gold medal too. 909 earlier in the year. She hasn't raced in two months. Maybe that's because she's not in good shape. But if she's had good two months of training, I don't see why she couldn't be in nine flat shape either. If you're in nine flat shape, I think you're in the, in the contention for a gold medal. And Weldon disparages this field. Uh, you know, yeah, it really does hurt that the second and third, the, the third and fourth place finishers of the Diamond League final that could have all run for Kenya are not running. So instead of going running the first, second, third, and fourth place finishers of the Diamond League final, I think Kenya's running one, two, eight, and then someone who's never even run the Diamond League. But there's still, you know, a, a decent number. I mean, I think there's nine women on the year this year that have broken nine ten. Yeah, it's a decent. I mean, the men's steeple field isn't very strong either. So just in general, steeplechase fields are weaker. The men's field is pretty weak this year, so I shouldn't really disparage the field. Good point about Frerichs, but that was more her – that was a cat fight between Frerichs – I'm going to piss off my women's viewers here – between Frerichs and Coburn. They were just battling for each other and just happened that they were the first of the race. Frerichs was focused on just beating Coburn, and she knows she can do that. But, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek. But, John, I think that's – I have a new goal for the week. I want Jerry Schumacher on the podcast in Doha. We always run into him. He's very friendly to us when we see him. He's known for being media shy. Forget it. I'm forgetting about Max Siegel, Christian Taylor, Phil Knight. If Phil Knight's there, we'll get him on as well. But Jerry Schumacher on the podcast. Hopefully, we'll be doing some live podcast from Doha. We will. We have no idea what's going on until we get there. Don't promise any live podcasts. Those don't always work out well. But no, I will say this. Not live. I mean, we'll record them while in Doha. Jer- Jerry... We have been, I've been critical of him not racing his athletes, not because it's a bad strategy for peaking them at Worlds, but because I don't like to see it. I like to see the athletes racing more. But if they come out and dominate in Doha, he has an open invitation to come on the podcast, take a victory lap, and rub it in my face. I would like nothing more than for him to do that. You guys, you want to share an opinion with the podcast? 844 Let's Run. We need some audio, I feel like. So call in 844 Let's Run. Robert's got his hand up. Yes, while we're talking about the women's steeple, one of my betting picks here, Hyven Kayang, former world champion like Coburn. She's got a better seasonal best than Coburn, a better lifetime best than Coburn, but her odds are way higher. So that's the moment you want to put in the money on because it's just absurd that her odds are plus 1,000 and McCoburn's plus 450. So you're, you're getting better than even money, the Kayang medals, which I think she definitely will. If, if I have Fryrick's winning gold, I, I don't really have room for Kai and Coburn to both get medals and Chip Kowicz, So, I want to put you guys on the spot. Do we get a sub nine, the first sub nine in American history in the final in Doha? I'm not sure how much the heat affects the steeple, but I need, I need to check out the air conditioning system first. There's so many variables for this world. Wait, y'all were saying that the track is air conditioned. Isn't just the stadium air conditioned? Like how is the well, track? The, tra- the track's feel- in the stadium. It's like the lower level. I I don't know how cool the bleachers will be, but the track is going to be pretty cool. I mean, are they going to run the steeple in lane eight so it's closer to the air conditioning? Um, I good point. As a scientist, I don't, or not as a scientist, but as a number of staff, <laughs> as a person who likes, excuse, I apologize to all the scientists that are 
freaking out in their cars right now. But, um, you know, as um, as a pseudoscientist, go ahead. Yes, it's someone who pays a lot of big attention to the weather makes a big difference in running. We have seen that in the wind in Boston and the snow and, and whatever. Um, I, I don't see why they would break not. I don't see why they would break nine in like what weather that feels like 110 degrees. I mean, that's very, very hot. Um, I know the sun probably won't be out. The final will be at night, but I, but that being said, I always say the steeple is the one event you can run fast and it really doesn't matter the conditions. It can be windy. It can be warm and people can PR. They don't need, even need rabbits. The, the reality is they're not running that fast. So, and you're getting out of a rhythm anyways. I've always thought the steeple is the one event you can do. I put it in the middle of the day at the NCAAs and, and they can, I mean, you saw it this year with um, the fourth American, John, help me, Ellie Ostrander. I think she PR'd NCAAs in that incredible heat in Austin. So I guess it is doable to PR, but I'm going to say that the heat would make it um, not likely. The question I have, John, is will we, get, will we get an American medal and who gets it? Okay. Well, yeah. Congratulations, both of you guys, for dodging my question about sub nine. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Emma Coburn runs sub nine. She gets a medal. Frerichs, I think Frerichs is going to be the odd woman out. I think she's good enough to medal, but it's really hard to medal at Worlds. She medaled last time, but, you know, Chepkowicz made a huge mistake in that race, probably would have medaled if she hadn't missed the first water jump. I think Chepkowicz, Coburn, and Kiang are your three medalists. Uh, Frerichs wouldn't surprise me if she's on the podium, but I don't think she gets one. Speaking of American medals, by Monday evening, how many American medals will we have in the women's... 800 meters. I'm going too. I think Wilson is Wilson's as big a RJ Wilson is as big a favorite as you will find on the women's side at this meet. I think she wins. And I think between Raven Rogers and Hannah Green, you got to feel good that they're going to get a second medal out of that. I think it'll be Rogers. She has really great closing speed. Uh, looked great. She was second in the Diamond League final. You know, why, why wouldn't she medal? I agree with John. Two medals for the training partners. But John mentioned it. Let's take a – Weldon likes to do the big view. Let's take the big view. I have all the running events, 100 through the marathon, listed on my spreadsheet here, both the men and the women, and sorted from the biggest favorite to the biggest underdog. Well, the, like you know, the All the favorites are listed. So who is the biggest favorite and who is you know the least favored favorite? Um, and y'all nailed it. A.G. Wilson, 80%, her implied odds of 1.25 minus 400 for American people. That implies a win rate of 80%. That is the highest for any women's running event. It is the second highest for any event, men or female. We're just talking about running. We didn't do the field events because we don't really understand the field events. So, John, I, I know you can do this. Guess who the biggest favorite is total? I mean, I don't even have to think about this. It obviously is Noah Lyles. Correct. He's minus 1,000, which is implied win rate of 90.9%. But in looking at these odds, folks, we actually have statistical proof of something that I have said for year, for month, for weeks on these podcasts and for years I've written on Let's Run. We have statistical proof that men's running is more competitive, just more, there's more depth than women's running. If you look at these, these implied odds, four of the 11 favorites on the women's side have implied win rates of 74% or higher. On the men's side, Coleman is the only person that has that. There's there's no one. Um, you mean Lyles. Lyles is the only one over 66% chance. Coleman isn't 66%? I feel like Christian Coleman should be a very heavy favorite in the 100 as well. 
Uh, I agree with you. I have four events bolded. The Rojo, take this. This is, you know, I'm going to steal a term from Clay Travis, the blood bank guarantee. Folks, go to the blood bank, donate some blood, and put this money down. Christian Coleman's odds right now are, are 1.55 minus 182. That's a 64.5% win rate. I think it's higher than that. Um, you know, the only issue is we haven't seen him race in two months. But, you know, assuming he's not injured, I would think he wins this. Th- you know, at least three out of four times. John, do you think we can get Mr. Coleman on the podcast? You think he'll be in Doha? Uh, he already, I'm sure he'll be there. He already declined us once, so I don't really see what would change. But Mr. Coleman, if you're listening, in case you guys aren't aware, some of the fans, new listeners to the podcast, Christian Coleman's dad took offense with some things we said about him and his three missed drug tests. But clearly, he's listening to the podcast. That makes me happy. Christian Coleman and the Let's Run.com running warehouse polls. 96.6% of you guys are picking him. That is the yeah second highest on the men's side. We've got Noah Wiles at 99.2. So, yeah, the, the doubts there are he hasn't raced in two months. So, is he race sharp? Gatlin got injured in his last race, so that's his chief competition. And I don't know. I, who else is running well? I think the dark horse pick to beat him would be Andre de Grasse. Yeah, I'm looking at this start list, guys, and I just don't see who's going to beat Coleman, even if he has a bad race. I mean, who in this race is going to run like 9.85 even, you know, and Coleman is consistently in the mid to low 9.8s. I just don't see it. Johan Blake, he's run 9.96. He's been doing okay. DeGrasse is in better form, but still hasn't, he hasn't run faster than 9.97 this year. Zanel Hughes and Akane Simbine, I mean, they haven't gotten it done in the in the major championships yet. Divino Duru, I think his, you know, his season, he's probably peaked like three months ago at, at uh, NCAAs. I mean, the runner up in the diamond league was Xi Zhenye of China. And he hasn't even broken 10 seconds this year. So I don't know. I guess I think Gatlin was the one guy I was thinking could beat him, but you know, he pulled up with that hamstring issue in Zagreb. I think Gatlin probably, he'll probably be okay. I think he'll still medal, but I think he's the only guy who really could beat Coleman, and I don't see it. Well, I, I don't think we should discount Justin Gatlin. First of all, in that Diamond League final, he looked good for the first 40 or 50 meters. The last half of the race was terrible. But then after that, he he went out and, and ran 997 a few days later. Yeah, he pulled up a little bit injured in Zagreb, but that was like his third race in a week. So I guess he'll have to do that at, at, at Worlds at his age. But remember, folks, we all, you know, we're talking about, and Google loved our article, our Men's 100 article went big on Google, probably because people are St. Bolt fans and stuff like that. This is the first Worlds in more than 15 years without a St. Bolt. I can't believe we've been 30 minutes on the podcast and not mentioned that fact. But we don't, we should not forget that Bolt did not win two years ago. Mr. Justin Gatlin did win. So, you know, I, I mean, I, you're right. I, who can run under 985? I, I don't think that anybody can except for Coleman. Um, he's the only one in the world that's done it. There's only four guys that have broken nine, nine this year. Um, with Lyles not, not in the race, Oduro, Duro long past his peak. And so Gatlin would be really be the only one you'd think, you know, unless Coleman's off his game that could do it. There are 19 guys though in the year this year that have broken, you know, um, 10 flats. So the, the, the medals behind him are going to be good, but well, they mentioned DeGrasse and I like DeGrasse because he's won a seasonal best in both the 100 and the 200 in his last two races. What about the women's hundred? That event will be decided this weekend as well. You got Elaine Thompson versus Shelly Ann Fraser Price. Those are the, like the last what three Olympic champions. I mean, those are two sort of marquee matchups. But 
Robert, what are the betting odds say on that one? In the let's run.com running warehouse polls, Elaine Thompson coming in 59.4%. Shelly and Fraser price 29.4. And then Dina Asher Smith. I wouldn't totally, you know, discount her. She's coming in at 9.7%. Diamond league champion. She beat Fraser price in the diamond league final. What I have a question for you guys though. So with world champion is Tori Bowie. The American squad just is not really that strong this year. Bowie hasn't really done much and she's the reigning champ. Can either of you tell me who was the 2019 U.S. champion in the women's 100 meters? She was a Texas Longhorn. That's a, some help for you. Uh, John, I've had a list of three names. I would see it because uh, I did the I did the prediction contest and I saw her name and I was like, oh gosh, what's the name? Well, uh, Robert, any ideas? I was hoping, I, I predicted it was going to be a Leah Haas, but she did not do well. Tiana Daniels, everyone. Anyone listening at home who remembered that, congrats. She was only fourth at NCAAs, then she comes around, wins USAs. I mean, I don't I don't blame you guys for not remembering, but it's, you know, English Gardner's in there. I'm actually excited. English Gardner has run 10-7 before, you know, when she's at her best, and she's had a lot of injuries recently, but I'm excited to see what she's capable of at Worlds. I do think it's probably going to be the Jamaicans in this event, though. I I think Fraser Price, when she's on her game, she's just she's so good, you know. But uh, she's run 7-7 multiple times this year. But Thompson as well, I think it's probably between one of those two. Well, I don't understand why we're discounting Dean Asher Smith. She just beat the Jamaicans, or one of them, in the Diamond League final. And the 100 got second in the Diamond League final in the 200. I mean, to me, it would not surprise me if she won both of these events. But what Weldon asked about the betting odds, um, you know, and, and, and Fraser Price and Thompson are both at plus 175, which is like an implied win rate of 36.4%. Um, and, and then Asher Smith is, is plus 250, which I think is like a 28.6% win rate. So, I mean, th- those three are kind of almost all three co-favorites. And I, I think it's really hard to choose between them. SAFP was out was not in the was not in the Diamond League final, right, John? No, she was. Thompson wasn't in the Diamond League final, but and, but why should why shouldn't Thompson be the heavy favorite in this thing? She lost the first Diamond League in Shanghai, and then she's been undefeated since then. Yeah, but how many how many Diamond Leagues has she run since then? She's barely run any Diamond Leagues. That's a good point. I mean, she went ten eight nine in Rome. She beat Shelly and Fraser Price at Jamaican Championships, 10-7-3. That was very fast. That was in June. Yeah, true. I guess you're right. Then she ran 10-9-8 in Paris. And all I could think is her appearance fee wasn't big enough at the Diamond League Finals, so she just skipped it. No, no. They have they, I think that – is it the what, – what's the racers club? Whatever club they have, they have a sort of a policy where Elaine Thompson doesn't race Shelly and Fraser Price until the world, so they alternate events. And, you know, and the, the reason why is, I mean, she went to – she ran the 200 in the Diamond League final. She ran 22-44. She got beat by Dean Asher-Smith there. So Dean Asher-Smith already beat her at 200. Seems to be really coming on. She's much younger. Um, I, I, I To me – I don't know. I, I I think it's hard. I think it, Asher Smith might win it. I love. I know the Brits like to hype themselves up uh, over all these people, but would not surprise me. But I, I agree with Weldon. You know, I mean, she hasn't lost a one hundred since early in the season, so it would not surprise. It wouldn't shock me if Elaine Thompson did it. Well, all right. Let allow me to lay out the case here for Shelly Ann Fraser Price, who is the greatest women's hundred meter runner of all time. Uh. This year, she's run 1073 at the Jamaican Trials. She just barely got edged out by Elaine Thompson. Then she runs 1074 in Lausanne. 
1078 in London. She does get beat in the Diamond League final. She only finishes second there to Dina Asher Smith. But Dina Asher Smith has never broken 1085 in her entire life. And Shelly Ann Fraser Price has done it three times in 2019 at age 32. I think it's going to take a sub 108 to win the Diamond League fi- to win the World Championships and Dina Asher Smith has not shown that she can get to that level yet. Maybe she can in the final, but I'm trusting the greatest sprinter of all time over someone who's never broken 1085. Even though she lost to her in the last race, I guess you're right, John. You've changed my mind because Brussels, it was a little cool there, right? And I was I was thinking to myself, who's not going to who's going to do worse in cold weather, a Brit or someone from Jamaica? I think the Jamaican would not like the cool weather as much. And then you're going to put her in Doha, where it's going to feel much more warm, much more like it's going to be, not only is it going to be warm, folks, we haven't talked about the humidity. The humidity in some, some of these days is over 80%. I mean, the dew point's over 80 degrees, which is crazy. feels like 111, you know, the start of the women's marathon at 12 midnight is the, is the forecast right now. So, John, you've changed my pick, SAFP. And if she wins this, it's going to be one of the greatest 100-meter seasons in, in women's history. She's going to have, she already has three sub 10 eights. I don't know. I think the record for most sub 10 eights in the, in the, I had this in, in the week that was early in the year. I think it's only like, she might tie it at four, I think. All right. Can we discuss the weather just quickly? Is this like Houston? I always think of the Middle East as being a dry heat, but now you're talking about the humidity. I just figured September, October, it couldn't be that bad until I read these accounts about the marathon and the dew point and all this stuff. And I'm like, are we getting st- also? So, one is this is like Houston. I'm going to have a miserable two weeks. And we need to discuss the let's run.com. Dress policy. Robert, can we wear shorts to the worlds? Well, I don't know. I mean, what are the Arab people going to be wearing? I, I don't want you to offend them. So this happened. I got this text this morning from my sister. She knows I'm going. She's saying, you know, have a good trip. And she said, I don't know where you'll go in Doha, but someone from work mentioned that they needed to wear pants to one of the museums instead of sports, uh, instead of shorts. So I think for the stadium will be fine, but there are certain parts of the country that you might go into or certain buildings you might have to wear pants for and definitely don't go around shirtless running. I was talking to Danny Mackey last week, the coach of the Brooks Beast, and he was like, yeah, I was in Qatar a few years ago for this thing. I was running around without a shirt and I was getting looks and I was getting yelled at. So, you know, anyone who's a fan out there is going for a run, definitely wear a shirt. Maybe I, you know, I started a protest that I wasn't going to Worlds, but maybe it's a good thing. I did get a text earlier in the week. This is no joke. Now I think it's a friend of mine who's kind of playing. I mean, former. This is a former one forty five, I think, maybe one forty six, eight hundred meter runner. Sends me a, a screenshot of from his iPhone of the weather forecast for Doha, and then says, "How much would they have to pay me to go and watch this meet?" Now this guy's very wealthy. He demands at least a hundred k in cash plus first k class transportation both ways. And probably that wouldn't be enough, he said. Well, Robert's so-called friend, he's always texting him. I always figured it was the same person. But this is most likely a different person. So this is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, John and I are much cheaper to go to Doha. No 100K cash. It should be fun. Maybe I need to sort of Google Doha customs, what to wear. But I don't know. John, do we know what the other big thing of – Coming up, um, it's going to be air-conditioned stadiums. I want you guys wearing pants, please, John. Uh, if you really have to wear some shorts, well, that's I've been told by people who were there for the Asian Champs, the test event in like April or May, the air conditioning actually makes it feel rather cool in the stadium. Like they said, pack a sweater, you know, maybe pack some pants. So I'm definitely going to come prepared for it to be kind of cooler in the stadium. But you New Englanders, I when I go back to, to Dallas now or Austin to visit my my family, I, I actually don't like it anymore because it's like really it is cold. 
New Englanders, you're not going to be used to like blasted air conditioning. Like when you go from like super air conditioned room to super air conditioned room to car. Yeah. John, good call. But I want you guys to wear one of those like um, white, I don't know what it's called, like the white robes. Is that like, is there, is that bad for an Easter? No, they don't look like Justin Trudeau in India. Oh, that's a good point. Anyways. Now, seriously, if you guys do, if a tragedy does happen and there's some sort of terrorist attack or problems with your plane, I was joking, I think, with John about this off air, but we're kind of yeah. We just joke about terrorist attacks off air. That's what Robert likes to do. For I, it could have, I said it could be mechanical. Hopefully, you're playing not not flying on a Boeing. Or, uh, you know, could just be a simple. You know, they tried to make a little bit of money to, to pump the stock of shareholders, get the new plane out. But should we do like a black page for like how long? At least a couple of days, you know. But fortunately, the brain trust will be in separate flights, so. The odds of us both going down. If we both go down, it's probably going to be some incident at the stadium. That could happen at any Olympics or World Championships. I know one prominent um, photographer in the sport is convinced that's how he'll go out at one of these events, that there'll be a big incident. But if that happens, you know, people will be worried about some athlete going down more so than us. But hopefully a black page, keep the site going, and, and don't go all negative. You know, Don't be afraid to call things how they are, Robert, but there's more good in the world than bad. People don't give up. Keep up hope. So show me a show compassion to your killers. No, 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 not to the killers. But John, let's say there's a shooter at the stadium and it's a live, you know, mass shooting with like machine guns, like American style. I, you know, I guess done at an American school because of our crazy gun control. We, we, just, we shouldn't do this. I'm just going to ask this question, John, would you be a journalist to the end? Would you like be periscoping it live? I hope not the social media obsession, but I can see John getting on his iPhone. Like here it is. Hell no. I'd be trying to get it out there as fast as possible. <laughs> I want, I want to live. I mean, I like working for you guys, but my priority is self-preservation. Number one. Okay. Moving on. What event have we not <laughs> covered yet? I mean, John, John's probably already at all the Super Bowls he's been to has had his life in peril more so than this event. Um, but it is kind of crazy when you think about these big events. I always wonder if they're actually safer than our sort of day-to-day safe or, or less safe. Uh, it'd be kind of interesting to, to talk to some security expert because they do have tons of security at something like this. Yeah, I think we'll be fine. I'm not worried about my security. Yeah, I haven't thought about it at all. I was way more worried about Zika and that sort of stuff in uh, Rio. But, John, the Media 800, are you ready for that? Are you ready? Yeah, I, I don't know about my leg speed. I did tune up. I ran a 5K road race over the weekend and ran 16.15. So, I mean, decent aerobic shape, but in a one-off 800 final, I think I ran like 208 or 209 in London in 2017. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to win my heat, you know, unless I get drawn against Kyle Dennehy or one of those Irishmen. Or actually, Ben Bloom just had an article. He's been training for the 800. He ran 203 earlier this year from the Telegraph. So, uh he might be a problem, but I'm just hoping I can deliver another heat victory. What? Ben Bloom might be able to beat me by a minute in an 800. Well, then, I'm you can't break three. I, I You're going to be. I'm worried. Come on, well then. I'm worried, Robert. Why would be dropped from Let's Run if I don't break three minutes for an 800? I figure I could run a sub six mile. But uh, yesterday I went out in Central Park. Well, I have two things. I realized the immediate 800 was coming, so I tried to run harder. And it was hot a couple of days. It goes 85. My Vishwa dogs used to kick ass. And I was dragging one of them behind me. She couldn't keep up. I was like, what's going on? So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm running kind of fast. That's when I was trying to sprint. So I was feeling good about that. Then I went out yesterday, Central Park. This is kind of cool if you've never been to New York. I've never seen this because I've never run it this time. At like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the fall around the uh, reservoir. It's like one high school cross-country practice after another all the way around. It was kind of cool. 
Um, so I felt pretty good. And I saw this guy barely moving. I started like I started to run hard for two minutes, blew by this guy. I'm like, this guy looks terrible. Then I stopped and immediately this guy came right by me. And I'm like, holy shit, I was only going his pace. So then I picked it up again and I like, it feels the same to me. I mean, this is going to sound crazy. I ran 28 minutes for 10K. It feels exactly the same when I'm running hard, but I'm just going so much slower. And I started running hard again. And there was this girls cross country team, middle school maybe. And they were, I was like barely passing them. Well, this proves well, and this actually shows what I said earlier. There's no such thing as a winner's mindset. It feels the same when you're running like nine-minute pace at age 46 than it does when you're running 28.06 as an elite athlete. Um, I, you'll definitely b- break three. That's absurd. Remember how what I run two years ago or four years ago? I was well under three, and I was in no, no type of fitness. But you know, we haven't talked about a number of events, guys, and perhaps the events of the championship, to me – could be the men's 400 hurdles. I know the women's 400 hurdles has the world record holder against Sydney McLaughlin, who just beat the world record holder in Delilah Muhammad. But to me, the men's 400 hurdles is even better. I mean, we've got Warholm, we've got Samba, and we've got Rye Benjamin. And uh, to me, the betting odds seem way off on this. John, I haven't even showed you the odds. In your mind, how does this break down? Who do you think the favorite is, and who would you go with? Well, the, the favorite should be Carsten Warholm. He hasn't lost a race all year. He just ran the second fastest time ever in the Diamond League final, 46.92. He's the reigning world champion. So you'd think he's the favorite. And then you've got Benjamin, who has run 46.98 this year, number tied for number three all time. And then you've got Abdurrahman Samba, who hasn't raced a hurdles race since May. He's the home favorite, you know, representing Qatar. So hopefully the few thousand Qatar fans in attendance. I'll have someone to root for. They'll come out for that final. I mean, my hope for this race, and maybe it's not going to happen because we don't know what kind of shape Samba's in. My hope was we would have multiple guys breaking the world record. I was hoping it would be all three. Now I think we really could see Warholm and Benjamin both break the world record in the same race, which would be phenomenal. And I know he's the reigning champ, and I know that he hasn't lost all year, but... I'm picking Warholm to lose. I'm going to pick Rye Benjamin. I think Benjamin, Warholm goes out really hard. He's a very aggressive racer, but, and he held off Benjamin in, in the Diamond League final. But I think Benjamin, the, the, the way he's run some of these races, he ran 47 1 at pre and just looked so easy and like 47 2 at USA's and just was cruising. I think if he gets it right, if he gets a stripe pattern right and everything, he'll break the world record and win the race. I'm going Rye Benjamin. I knew you were going to say that, John. That's why I brought this up. You know, I, I agree with you. I think the world record definitely falls in this race. I'm mean, very disappointed if it doesn't. I, I hate when people hype stuff up, but this one it should go. And but but the betting odds, Warholm is, is a big favorite. You know, between the three, I mean, I think if all three of these guys are healthy, it, it's hard to separate them by much. But Benjamin is is one sixty five. That's decimal odds minus one fifty five. It's implied win rate of sixty point six percent. That seems high to me. Ray Benjamin is only the third betting choice because I guess the hometown favorite. Wait, you said Wal- Walholm is choice. minus one fifty five. You said Benjamin. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Benjamin is is plus two fifty, which is a twenty eight point six percent win rate. I think his is are higher than that. He should not be the third choice in this betting. So, uh, to me, that would be the bet to take there. Definitely. I'm so- Samba has better odds than Benjamin. Yeah, slightly better. Minus two plus two twenty five versus plus two fifty. Well, in the running warehouse prediction contest, the 
Carson Warholm, 58.6%. Rye Benjamin, 37%. And Samba's only at 3.7%. So totally discounted. What about Michael Norman? Well, in the 400, Michael Norman's 88% over Fred Curley, 9%. Huge favorite. Wow. But his betting odds are only minus 143. It's a 58.8% win rate. So I, I, that, to me, also stung out. I think Norman Norman just hasn't been right in most of the races he's run. Like He, he ran really fast early on in the season at Mount Sac, 43-45 back in April. And then the other one, every race he's run since then, he seemed to have something up. Like the weather's been off, or he's been sick, or he's been kind of hurt. And I think if if he just gets, if everything comes together, and you know, obviously that's asking a little bit. You need a little luck for that. But I just think Norman's better. You know, he's the best in the world. He could break. People were saying at the start of the year he was going to break the world record this year. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think Norman's definitely a better runner than Curly if they're both at their best. And uh, I think he, he's a very very. Good. I I would pay, I'd bet a lot of money on him to win. You just went through this whole spiel how he didn't look good, but he still wins. April. Then you said yeah, you bet a lot of he, money on him. He's to win? had something up. It's it's usually it hasn't been like one the same issue every time. It's either been the weather has been un- bad. It's, he's been sick. I mean, I don't think he's going to be sick at Worlds. He said he was co- sort of banged up heading into USA's. I think he's passed the injury, and he he almost beat Curly. He still ran forty three seconds at USA's in the USA final in his third race in three days after basically missing two weeks of training going to the meet. So to run 43 off of that, I think if he's in, you know, if there's no hiccups, he's going to be much faster and much faster than 43 will high will win the world title. He's only raced once since worlds, but he did beat for curly in the diamond league final. I mean, he's 44, 26 to 44, 46. So to me, 60%, I, I think, I mean, um, 58.8% of the time, I think that's low. I think he wins us at least two out of three times, probably three out of four. What about Steven Gardner? What are his odds? Well, that's a good point. Isn't he undefeated in the 400 this year, John, or am I making that up? Yeah, but he's raced like two. I mean, no, sorry, he hasn't raced two. He ran his first one in June, but he hasn't. So he ran Estrava, then he ran the race in Hungary, then he ran Monaco, then he ran the Bahamian Champs, and then he ran Chorzo Poland. So he's run one Diamond League, and he didn't face... I don't think he faced Curly or Michael Norman in that race. I'm just looking that up right now. I mean, he is a medalist. He was the uh, silver medalist in 2017, but Michael Norman wasn't in that race. I-, I think he's very good. He could medal for sure, but he hasn't run faster than 44-1-4 this year. Well, but yeah, but he ran he ran that in his last race, which is a tenth of a second faster than what Norman ran. I mean, John, you got me. Walden's got me a little bit nervous now, and he's he's run forty three eighty nine and forty three eighty seven the last two years. He's undefeated on the year. He is actually the second betting choice at um, plus two seventy five, which is a twenty six point seven percent win rate. So that's a slap in the face to Fred Curley right there. Absolute disrespect. I wonder what was up with Gardner in August. He didn't race at all in August, but his race schedule opening up in June, running his P- his season's best September 14th, that looks like a guy to me who's trying to peak for September or October. Meanwhile, Michael Norman's best race was in April. One more thing here, Weldon, before we cut away from the 400 hurdles and the 400 flat, Abdurrahman Samba and Carsten Warholm are both entered in the 400 hurdles and the flat 400. So... I don't know. I don't think that Carsten Warholm could medal in the flat 400, but if you can run 46, if he's going to win the 400 hurdles and break the world record, you know, I think you've got to think he has a shot. 
to medal. And the, the 400 heats, they start on the morning of day five, and the 400 hurdles final is the evening of day four. So it's a doable double. It's tough, but uh, it's not impossible. No, I don't think they're meddling in the flat 400 because you have three very good guys in 400 hurdles. In the 400, those three good guys run well. These The hurdlers aren't as fast as them. They shouldn't meddle. But I'm glad you sort of brought it back to them. If Warholm isn't Norwegian, are you guys more confident in him? I don't think I don't think so. Because he's he's the reigning world champion, and forty six ninety two is forty six ninety two. I mean, maybe there's some unco- subconscious bias in the back of my head against him, but I I don't think I don't think so. I think it's more comes down to the style. I think Benjamin's style. I just sort of like coming from behind, rather than going out from hard from the front. I thought that when John was 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 saying, you know, how he wasn't going with Warholm, I thought, I would, well, deep down, he thinks the white man's inferior. Racism against his own race, Jonathan Galt. You know these young guys. That's just, that's just the way they work. They, they they like to think that way. But one thing John said about Stephen Gardner, I, I got to protect um, Stephen Gardner here. He said it was absolute disrespect that Fred Curley, um, or, or he said it was absolutely disrespectful to Fred Curley. The Gardner is a second betting choice. I mean, Gardner is the reigning silver medalist. Curley didn't medal two years ago. So yeah, because Curley two years ago, Curley was a college kid who was totally out of gas by you know, the, the end of the season, Fred Curley, may I remind you, he's the United States champion. All right. He beat me, Michael Norman to win USA's when he won that race, he moved up to number seven on the all time world list, you know, running 43, 60, uh, 64. I mean, Stephen Gardner has not run close to that. So he's around 4387. So, all right. He has run close to that, but Sorry, Carly has been incredible this year. It's a, he should be the second favorite. And speaking of the four hundred, also by the end of this weekend, we will have the mixed gender four by four hundred meter champion. No, this is not an intersex division or a transgender division. It's a mixed gender: two men, two women running a relay. I thought it was kind of interesting that one, the Bahamas doesn't have a team because they have Gardner and Miller Weibo. They could have a, just a tremendous team. But they don't even have a team. And John, do you ever go to World Relays? I just think of Bahamas as like one of the great 400 meter countries, and it's kind of sad they don't even have any relay teams, four by four, men or women. And they've had such success in those events, or mixed gender, which is kind of crazy. So we're adding a relay team, and one of the best 400 meter countries in, historically in the world isn't in it. But any thoughts on you guys on the f- mixed four by four, which comes first? So in theory, everyone can run it fresh except for the hurdlers. I refuse to discuss this event. It's a gimmick event at Worlds. That cheapening gold medals by handing them out in this event, I will not be interested in it. I'm shocked that the youngster John is doing that. I don't want to sound like the old man, the old white man that you know doesn't like change. But um, I, I when I looked at this originally, I assumed this event was to try to give smaller countries like the Bahamas, like uh, they have Shelly, Shawnee Miller, Weibo, and they have Stephen Gardner. Those those would be two incredible legs. I assume they would be one of the teams, if anyone, that could beat the United States. And they're not even in it now. Like, is it because you have to run rounds just to get to the final, so it tire them out for the individual events? Like, I I don't understand like the scheduling of all of this. I mean, to me, this might just be a ploy to get Allison Felix another gold medal. But um, it'll be interesting. You know, this is going to be in the Olympics next year, definitely. So um, I just think they've got to somehow get the schedule right so that people uh, can do the 200 for, I, I don't know. I mean, I did look at it. I think you could run the open four in both of these relays, the mixed gender and the regular, without much of a problem. But you're saying that the 400 hurdles ha- can't do that really well then? For the hurdles, it's harder. But for the open, it's totally fine. Like, So I don't see the point if you're just going to – I don't know. 
it'll be interesting. I mean, we'll try at least we're kind of trying new things, but I, I don't know what to think of it. I think Bahamas didn't qualify is what happened. They didn't do that well at World Relays, and then otherwise you needed some time to get in, and I guess they didn't get it because – I don't know. Then you have to get both your people to go run some time together. So that's kind of hard for them probably. Or they just, they, they, they you know, the U S can use some B team and qualify. Whereas Bahamas, you got to have your, all your stars agree to come run a mixed gender four by four somewhere at some qualifying meet, which is more difficult to think. All right. So we're an hour into the podcast. We have yet to talk about, in my opinion, one of the most compelling figures of the entire world championships. That's Sifan Hassan of the Nike Oregon project and the Netherlands. She's currently entered in three events, 10k 5k and 1500 uh the word on the street is she's going to be running the 10k and then she'll reassess after that and decide whether to do the 5k or the 1500 with which are both at the end of the meet the 10k is on day two which is saturday uh i want to know from you guys how many medals does she win which events will she run and what medals will come from what events okay she wins two medals there's almost no question on that I would love to see the 101500 gold medals. Then she's the performer of the meet. She's a legend, something no one's ever done before. I'm just as a fan going to say I want the 10 and the 1500 just because it's so unique. I think the 10 and the 5 is probably more likely, but I don't know. Come on. There's nothing wrong with dreaming for total greatness. I'm trying to think about her mindset. Like, how are they going to decide between the 15 and five? Like if she wins the 10, is she more likely to do the 1500? Because, Hey, why not go for history? But then if you lose the 10, you're racing many of the same people again, in the 5,000. So maybe you're going to go to the 1500 anyway. So I would really do want to see the 10, five, 1500 as well. If she does that, I want her to win both. If she does not do that, I would love her to lose. I would love to see, you know, yet another hyped up Nike Oregon project athlete come up short. You know, we, we've had Mo Farah come through and we hear about what a genius Mo, how, what a genius Alberto Salazar is. And I'm not saying he's not a great coach, but I just think the talk about coaches developing these runners is so overblown. If you get the best talent and you know what you're doing as a coach, you can do a good job with them. I don't see it. Last, John, correct me if I'm wrong. Mary Kane is not in this race, right? She's not running worlds, even though Alberto promised everyone that she could run 355 for 1500 meters. Yeah, she's not going to be in there. Like the Dartmouth grad, John, she didn't change her citizenship to Greece or anything and get in here? <laughs> no, no. Mary Kane won't be in Doha. But yeah, all right. I'm not rooting for Hassan to win the golds because I'm not rooting for anyone in any event. I don't really care who wins these races. What I am rooting for is her to try the 10-15, like Weldon said. That would be awesome. I mean, I think if she wins the 10 and the 15, that goes down immediately as one of the greatest feats in the history of athletics. I mean, those two events... There's just not a lot of crossover, but you know, you have people, maybe a 1500 runner will move up to the 10 K eventually uh, later in their career and they'll make some finals, but to win both at the same championships, would be absolutely phenomenal? My prediction for what she does, I think she'll win the 10 K and then I, I guess, I think if she wins the 10 K, she probably wins the five. It's not sexy to say, but I think that's probably what she'll do is she'll run the five and win it. But I think if she runs the 10 and, and then decides to do the 15, which we should all urge her to do, start a position petition or something, guys, bring banners into the stands in Doha and demand that she run the 15, do whatever you need to do. I think if she runs the 15, she gets beat by Faith Kipigon because Kipigon, people are overlooking this woman. She's the defending world champion. She's the defending Olympic champion. She took off 2018 to give birth to a baby and then comes back 2019 
her only race in the regular season. She wins the pre-classic against some studs like Laura Muir and Shelby Houlihan. I just think Kippy Gone seems like her training's been going well. She won the Kenyan trial, uh, Kenyan championships. I think she's still, even though Hassan broke the world record in the mile this year, I'm still rolling with Kippy Gone until she uh, gets beat in a championship. I would agree with you, except for one thing about that Kipyagon statement. I'm worried about the Kenyan trials. I've tried to find video on the internet. I can't find it, John. She only won by one hundredth of a second. So was she pushed to the limit by some Kenyan I've never heard of? Or do do we know about that? Because, you know, if, if she's on top of her game, yes, I think she wins that. But I'm just not I don't ha- I don't have proof of that. Oh, I don't think she cares. I mean, most of these Kenyans, Robert, the ones who she already knows she's on the team, a lot of them, like the women's steeplers, they just crossed the line together and held hands. Like, I think the Kenyans who already know when they're on the team, they don't really give credence to like try to blow people out. They just sort of go out there, go through the motions. But John, she missed a bunch of, she's only raced twice all year. After pre, she missed everything because she was injured. So there's questions on her fitness. There's questions on the health of Laura Muir. Shelby Houlihan, we assume, is fit and healthy, but she hasn't raced in, since USA's. So there's just a ton of question marks. The women's 15 is going to be great. Um, like you, have, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not rooting for Hassan to win both. I want her to do both. Like you said, well, if she made the 15 final, I might root against her. Who knows? I just, I kind of pick and choose what I'm rooting for when I'm actually watching it. I'm more just interested in the spectacle. But yeah, as a fan, I want her doing the 10 and the 15. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the fact that she only raced, you know, Kip Yegan June 30th and then September 13th. I mean, you think she would have done the Diamond League circuit. But that's one of the reasons why I guess we're sending you there. I mean, we could we could recap the races from afar, but you can get into the mix zone. And after the first race, I'm imagining we're not going to be reading articles of any substance from anybody else except for Let'sRun.com. So hopefully one of you guys corners hers and says, hey, what's been going on? Are you in great shape? You just want to get more base work in? You know, I mean, and then, you know, I wish I could place my bet then. Then I would definitely know. You know, if she says, oh, I'm in amazing shape. It's been a flawless buildup. Then I'm ready to go with her. But if she's not on top of her game, it's going to take somebody at, at peak level to beat Hassan. Robert, I drove through New Jersey today. I could have maybe placed some bets if I'd set up an account. I didn't know how to do that. But my brother-in-law will be driving through Jersey this weekend. Maybe you can get in touch with him. Do we actually think the Jersey sport? Do we think that the Jersey sports books even have world championship betting? I bet they don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be optimistic about that. It's not a, you know. People don't know or care about track and field really around the United States. It's not like a, it's not a gambling niche sport like horse racing where they take odds on everything over here. All right, guys, let's let's go to someone. Another guy I'm really interested to talk about, Noah Lyles. He's in the men's 200 meters. That to me, I mean, we, we all know he's a huge favorite. Robert said he's the biggest betting favorite to win. But I'm more interested in seeing the clock. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen some of these interviews he's sort of been hinting that he wants to challenge or break the championship record. And I'm not sure if you guys remember 10 years ago, Usain Bolt set that championship record 1919. It's also the world record. I mean, do we think there's any chance that Noah Lyles who ran 19.50 in Lausanne earlier this year? So fourth fastest ever. Is there any chance he could be a world record holder by the end of this meet? Negative. No. And if there is, he's dumb to do it here. I think Noah Lyles, Noah, I know Mark Wetmore, your agent. It'd be much better for you to break the world record in the Olympics. Just you, you know, the money wise, do not break it preseason. Don't break it at Worlds this year. Break it. Well, actually, you get some nice endorsements for next year. But I think it's better to wait to the Olympics to break it. 
Well, Robert, you've got to remember, Usain Bolt, if he breaks the world record twice, as long as he does it at the Olympics, you can also do it beforehand. So maybe he needs to break the world record in early 2020 and then break it again in Tokyo. But uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't know if he'll ever do it. I mean, Noah Lyles is a fantastic runner, but Usain Bolt's the greatest sprinter I've ever seen. 1919 is a ridiculous time. Like, I, I think Lyles, maybe he could run in the 194s, maybe even 193s. I wouldn't be shocked by it, but 1919 is just... Uh, he still hasn't shown me, especially he doesn't, does he have the hundred meter speed to do that? I mean, 1919 was run by a guy who ran nine, five, eight in the hundred. Noah Lyles has never run faster than nine, eight, six. I just don't think he has the, the top end speed yet to do it. And what's he been saying exactly in social media? I'm the self-described leader of the Noah Lyles fan club. I was the guy who predicted he would never lose a diamond league 200, not predicted, but was hoping that never happened. And then this is the guy who got beat by Michael Norman in a 200 this year. But, uh, John, I'm curious what he's saying on social media. But I think he's more likely to lose the race than to win the, break the world record. I mean, we think he's going to drop, drop 0.31 off his personal best. Now, maybe they have some fake track and maybe the heat will help him. But I don't think they want to lower the temperature if they're helping him try to run fast. I think he went warmer weather. But who knows? Maybe they got some extra bounce in this track and the times are going to be ridiculous and you'll see something there. But I mean, uh, barring something crazy, like I think he's more likely to lose the race than break the world record. I agree with Weldon's take there, but while we're talking about a same bolt, did you guys just see this? It came out on the internet a few minutes ago or a few hours ago, bolt talking to the LA times about the NFL. I got a few offers to go to the NFL. It was something that scared me at the time. I think it's better. Now he's talking about the violence of the sport. I think back then it was a really rough sport. If it was like it is now, I think I would probably transition and try to play in the NFL. Give this is the my most hated quote of the week. Give me a break, Usain. Usain Bolt would be terrible at football. He is not like you gotta be it's all about your explosive speed. It's the first 20, 30 meters that's important, cutting side to side. He's actually too tall. I I, I would much rather have yeah, I mean, I guess receiver you want to be tall so you can catch go up and catch the balls, but John. You watch a lot of NFL football. Admit that Usain Bolt, when, when, I think he's got a better chance of being a, a professional soccer player than an NFL football player. I mean, <laughs> you're criticizing him because he doesn't have enough ex- explosive speed. I mean, all right, he's not the best starter ever, even though his first 60 of the 100-meter world record is faster than Christian Coleman's 60-meter world record, and Christian Coleman has plenty of explosive speed. Look, Bolt, we're measuring him against other professional sprinters. His start was, like, okay. It was still very, It was still good. And compared to NFL players, I'm sure it was tremendous. I think Usain Bolt, yeah, I th- he d- certainly had the speed to play in the NFL. Look at Bob Hayes. And he's big and physical. I think he, you know, if that's what he focused on from assuming he can handle the pounding and stuff, I think he'd be pretty good in the NFL. Oh, my God, John. I'm shocked. I just totally agree with Robert. Bolt is, like, too big. He's not that quick, I don't think. Some guy would just knock him off the line when he came off the line. You need lateral quickness to be a good receiver. Just because you're fast. Then we would have these like B sort of like 10 1 guys like dominating NFL sprinting. Like, what, what did Jeff Demps do in the NFL? So, why do we think Bolt, Jeff Demps, right? New England Patriots, John. He's just as, I mean, um, relatively speaking, almost as fast as Bolt. And ha- Bolt has no football background. So, why do we think Bolt would be better at football than Jeff Demps? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Here's the thing. All right. I guess it's not look, speed. I think he has the speed. I don't think his speed, I think that would be an asset is what I'm saying. Like look at D- DK Metcalf, this guy on the Seahawks. He was a combine monster. He had this incredible straightaway speed. He's big and strong. I thought he was going to be terrible because he couldn't turn or cut, 
And it turns out he's great. They just throw him, you know, go roots. He's, he's awesome. And he's actually got more lateral speed, I think, than people give him credit for. But, Bolt, yeah, look, there's more than go into, that goes into being a great wide receiver than just having speed. You need to have hands. You need to have agility. I, I don't know if Bolt has that stuff. I guess I should take back that I think Bolt's going to be a good receiver. But I think his speed, it's not going to be a disqualification. I think that could help him. It's an asset that would come in to help him in the, on the field. And I assumed he was talking about being a wide receiver. So it's not just about speed. Yes, John, his speed would help him, but he got to be coordinated and just a good athlete. Right. I have right. No, no proof that he is. I think at six foot five, his best shot would be defensive end. If he could bulk up, put on about 70 pounds and go from 205 no. to 275. No, that's outrageous. You need to be a wide receiver. Defensive end, you need to be able to physically dominate a 300 pound offensive lineman. I have no evidence Bolt could do that. But all these talk about Bolt, it just drives me nuts how he thinks he's going to play professional sports. That soccer thing was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. You know, Kasher Semenya, what is she playing now? Some other sport. This is a joke. Like, you, you don't just because you're – professional athletes think they're good because of their mindset. And I'm like, no. Weldon does too, apparently. You're good because you have a really good genetics for that particular sport, and it doesn't generally translate to just some other sport. Admittedly, though, speed would help in the NFL. Hmm, John, doesn't Robert have the same genetics I do? Yeah. <laughs> all right can we move back to track and field i want to say you guys want me over bolt bolt wouldn't be good in the nfl i don't know what i'm there, there isn't any evidence to suggest it i think i was getting caught up in the moment and i wanted to go against you guys i i don't he need he'd need to prove some sort of football ability but let's move back to the track yes if people want to hear this podcast we must keep it on the track otherwise i won't make my plane or the podcast won't get produced i'm not sure which one i'll prioritize but world championships okay what else we're going to talk more about the second half of the meet as that it comes up. You know, we got the men's 1500 there. There's a lot of great storylines. You're going to have a great women's 200, you know, all the four by ones, the four by fours, men's marathon. What else this first weekend do we want to talk about? I guess the women's marathon. We have two great marathons this weekend. We have the women's marathon and the Berlin marathon, but this women's marathon field is absolutely stacked. I think it's the world marathon major of the fall, right? It's better than it's better than Chicago for sure. It's probably better than Berlin. New York has some pretty good women, but yeah, you've got Ruth Chepengedich, two seventeen oh eight. She's third fastest ever. Uh, she's one of five women in the field who have broken two twenty. You know, it's going to be a good field. John, please. L- l- I mean, let me disparage New York since you won't do it. This is by far the best race of the fall. You know, someone's like, oh, when there was some talk, this race might be postponed because of the heat or canceled. People go, oh, it's just a B race. It doesn't matter. This race is incredible. There, there's five sub 220s, uh, another at, at 220, another at 221. So seven under 222. John talked about New York. New York has three under 222. Admittedly, all of them have run also under 219. But th- th- this race is sick. Admittedly, I thought John's preview was very interesting. He said this is full of a lot of people that perhaps the World Marathon majors don't want to touch because they've run so fast and um, have ties to the, to the Rosa family who's had a lot of EPO positives. So perhaps they're not willing to get the, the appearance fees at these World Marathon majors. So they're running in this race. Ruth Cheb. I don't know how to say that, John. 217.08. What is she, the second fastest woman in history? Third fastest. Third fastest. Um, broke the course record in Dubai. I mean, she's going to be hard to beat. Um, but, you know, it's a really – Edna Kipagot's there. I mean, she always does world run – has run two golds at Worlds and one silver. She can't be discounted. I, I, to me, I'm very much looking forward to this race. 
Yeah, let's. I mean, Rudy Aga, she's the Tokyo Marathon champion. We've got Rosa Derege, who was she won Dubai last year, and then she was third in London behind the two best marathoners in the world right now, which is uh, Brie Cosguy and and Vivian Chariot. So she's in there. Rose Chalimo is the defending champion. She hasn't been running that well recently. But yeah, like you said, Robert, there are some women who have some, I think, what we would call suspicious progressions. I mean, Shepin Gedich ran 218 in Istanbul last year. I mean, who does that? Uh, then Lona Chep- Chemtai Selpeder of Israel, you know, she she's made huge progressions. She basically, her PRs has gone down incredibly the last few years down to 219 I, I, I think that's i think that's a cheap shot at both of those women I mean, you say who runs 218 in istanbul but it's not like she didn't back that up she went to t- dubai and ran 217 so just because you know how old is she john i mean so you her to me that's not a, to me going from 223 to 217 is suspicious when you go from 218 to 217 that's not a suspicious progression to me and the israeli woman came over to live in israel and was an was an au pair was a nanny and is picked up running in her 20s. I mean, of course she's going to be improving a lot. I'm not saying that both of the, I know that both of them are clean or not, but you know, now the the, the Gatich, she did run 222 in Istanbul in 2017. She comes back the next year and runs 2218 and then runs 217 the year after that. So, I mean, but there's really nothing to knock in her. I mean, she's won three half marathons this year 65 29 66 06 70 39 altitude i mean i i she's the heavy favorite but you talked about rosa derege to me betting junkies again i mentioned this in our preview her implied odds for a medal are just five to two at 28.6 percent those are incredible odds i mean she's she won dubai this year and was second in chicago or she won dubai and was second in chicago last year before getting third in london this year so yeah, Robert, I think, all right, Salpada, you had a point. I, I, she did make a big progression, but also you know, she's adjusting to a new country, whatever. I, I can kind of understand that or getting, you know, adjusting to running. There, there is some, obviously, just because you start improving, not everyone who improves is a cheat. But I think with Chep and Gedich, people are justifiably skeptical given that she's run massive, you know, she's run big PRs. Again, why I said running 218 in Istanbul, it's not known for producing big times or having a good field. She basically just did that by herself, which is very hard to do. And she's also a Rosa athlete, which I think is the biggest strike against her. But again, look, this is, we're speculating based on just their times, not knowing anything else, which is a little unfair to the athletes. So, you know, they do get deserved the presumption of innocence, I would say. Of course, they get the presumption of innocence, but with Cheb and Ginnich, She's represented by the Roses, and they've had a bunch of EPO positives, and they swear they have nothing to do with it. But like, just human nature, you're like going to be skeptical, either even even if they're not actively doping their athletes, they're clearly not supervising them very well, and clearly EPO is a problem. And somehow, athletes they've picked up have been having access to it. So I think there's reasons to be suspicious of her. But in defense of her, she you know, her debut was 222. So someone who deb- debuts fast is more likely to me to be the type to get down to 217. But I mean, 217 is so fast. It's just kind of crazy. I agree with Robert. Dereja is a tremendous bet. Um, she's very strong. You know, Chepin Gadich, I guess, you know, what's there not to like about her? But how does she do in a race like this? She's never really faced competition in a really good marathon. So just a different type of running. I think that's a question mark surrounding her. Yeah, when you run two twenty two at age what twenty three, and then run two eighteen, I mean two seventeen. That I, I don't know. I mean, yes, there was. A, this is much less suspicious than those. You know, the Boston winners. What was her name, John? Who was like running two thirty for most of her career, then got down to two twenty all of a sudden. Rita Jep too. 
you know, but if we're going to judge it on improvement, I mean, I, I could say this about any American. Des London ran 244 in her debut, then 231, then she improved all the way down to 222. I mean, admittedly, that was wind aided. So, you know, I mean, without her wind aided time, she's probably 225, but she still improved six minutes from her first marathon in Chicago, 231 down to 225. So a four to five minute improvement from your first to last marathon isn't crazy to me. But yes, the Rosa thing is troubling. But let's move on to the men's race. Kenanisa Bekele. If this wasn't World Championship, we can probably we could spend the whole t- weekend talking about this. The all-time great. I yeah, let's just let's great- just clarify here, Robert. We're shifting from the women's World Championship marathon in Doha to the men's marathon in Berlin, which is taking place on Sunday. Yes, and um, Elliot Kipchoge will not be there because he's doing breaking two in a couple weeks. Or sub, whatever it's called. It's the Ineos 159 challenge, Robert. I think Ineos would want you to get that right. So we've got Bakile in Berlin. I'm sure there's some other guys that are favored to beat him. But what do you guys think of this? I mean, we probably, I feel like we've been saying this for five years. Does he have a chance to run well? Is or is he done? I think he's done. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't finished a marathon since 2018 London. He ran 208 and got sixth in that race. Before that. He, you know, he he dropped out of Amsterdam last fall. He dropped out of Berlin in 2017 because it was wet. I just think he's he's now 37. He's battled injuries. You know, when he when he gets a lot of training under his belt, he has produced some magic. I mean, he was second in London in 2017. He ran 203.03 in Berlin in 2016. So I guess I guess it's unfair to call the goat the person I believe who is the greatest distance runner of all time just totally count him out and say he's finished. But again, he hasn't shown something in the marathon for so long. I, I just don't have, I'm not optimistic that he runs well, but it would be, it'll be nice to see if he does. So he ran a two Oh eight in London last year. That's not terrible. It's not good. In today's area, right. It's not good. I'll give him a chance. I'm going to hold out hope for him through the Olympics next year, but another sort of subpar performance here, you know, I'm more writing him off each and every race that goes by. I need to see a really strong race, but it's like, I don't know. Anytime like some old boxing stars trotted out, you sort of hoping get a knockout or something. Keep rooting for him. Again, this would be one of the reasons to attend the pre-race press conference, which obviously we're not going to be doing, but right now I'm going to say, I, I I'm expecting a good performance from him. I, I think a resurgent Kenanese at age 37, kind of like Meb Kifleski has one last hurrah. Because I'm going to go with the logic here. Why would he join this race unless he was in shape? He only signed up recently. I, I think that you know if they announced it a long time ago, and then he's just tr- doing it to get the appearance fee. But uh, I don't think at this stage in his career, he you know he and his agent Josh Hermans are going to go to the Berlin Marathoners like three or four weeks before the race and say, "Hey, we want in." Now maybe you know their field isn't as, as strong; they don't have a, a headliner. But I don't. Th- I think their credibility it would hurt their credibility if he's signing up at a li- at the last minute and doesn't have something good to do. You know, I would much rather like to see him run. I know he only cares about his time. We've talked about this in the podcast before. I'd love to see him in New York. Um, I think as a former cross country champion, he'd be there. But you know, no Kipchoge. John, where's Mosinet Garamu going? He ran two. People forget this. You know, we had two two o twos in London this year. Doha, baby, Doha. He's running the world champs. He is. Yeah. Wow. I think the Ethiopian Federation is like mandating all their best runners run the world champs because if you look at their rosters, they've got Lolisa DeCisa, who's the world cha- the New York champion. They've got Shira Katado, who's the runner up in uh, London and New York last year, and Mule Wasahun, who ran two, th- two or three earlier this year in London. So 
I, I don't know if all of these guys actually fin- finished the race because I know some of them, DeCisa and Katada, are both entered in New York as well. Uh, but that World Championship Men's Marathon, which is uh, next week, is also going to be interesting. But yeah, but I, I think you have a good point with Michele, Robert. I don't see why they would enter this race if he wasn't ready, if they didn't think he could do something. So that gives me hope. Okay, guys, I, I think we've talked enough, maybe not as quite as long as our normal podcast, but I know Weldon's got to A, edit this podcast and then B, catch the train. John, and you don't want to be in, Do- in Doha without him there to, to lead you to the all the places you need to be. I'm sure you know, you'd be lost without him. Good news, guys. I have called T-Mobile. They said that there should be high, high uh, 4G internet on, working on your phone. So unsponsored sponsor of the podcast is T-Mobile. Anyways, so you guys should be all set on that front. But um, it should be a fantastic Worlds, guy. Weldon really did a good picture of what we're going to see in the first three or four days. We'll try to preview the second half of Worlds on next week's podcast in the middle of the week. Live, you guys will be in Doha. I'll be here in Baltimore. But um, so much to be excited about. We got the World Championships plus the return of Kennedy Subikila. So without further ado, for Jonathan Galt and Weldon Johnson. Guys, actually, can you guys say goodbye in case this is the last time anyone hears from you? Goodbye, Let's Run Nation. Goodbye, everyone. Looking forward to the Worlds. See you all in Doha.